Good morning, good morning, Rabbi Welcome to Breakfast in the Class. <laughs> Breakfast in the Class is dedicated today in loving memory and Lilu Nishmat David Ben Naima, Alava Shalom, sponsored by the Aharon family. As well, Breakfast in the Class is dedicated in honor of Rabbi Shlomo Fahri, sponsored by Jack Zabidi and family. Thank you so much, Jack. I really appreciate it. Azaku Baruch. As well, the week of Kobru is dedicated in loving memory, Lilu Nishmat. Yikutiel Yehuda ben Naftali Tzvi Alav Shalom, whose Azkara is this week, and in honor of a birthday for Gitil Bat Miriam, sponsored anonymously. Last but not least, I would like to dedicate the Zichut of today's class on the third day of Parashat B'Shalach to the Parnassah, the well-being, the welfare, of uh, the financial success of every single member of Am Yisrael, of our great people, uh, wherever they may find themselves in the world, uh, whatever type, stripe, uh, wherever they're standing, HaKadosh Baruch Hu should bless them with incredible success. They should not need to come on to anybody else. They should me- uh, merit to be able to have uh, a parnasah, a livelihood um, uh, that comes in the right way, appropriately, honestly, with integri- honestly, with integrity, uh, which doesn't come uh, through hurting someone else or through doing something that's Im- improper or illegal or not uh, done in the right way. HaKadosh Baruch Hu should bless us to never need to come on to anybody else Basar uh, Vadam, but only to receive Parnasa, Miyadecha, Hamelea, Hakedosha, Hapetucha, Veharachava, from God's open, holy, uh, and widespread uh, hand. Today, there is a custom, my friends, um, to read the Parashat Haman, to read the entire chapter in the Torah that discusses the, man, the manna that God gave to the Jewish people. Uh, in, and when they went into the desert. When there was no food, when there was no restaurants, when there was no shuk, when there was no supermarket, the Jewish people were sustained throughout 40 years in the desert with the manna that fell to them from Shamayim. And the reading of this parasha has become customary in communities around the world uh, to read this parasha and as well to read a tefillah that comes before it and afterwards. It takes about maybe five minutes to read. If anyone would like, you could ask me and we will send you a link. We also post it, we will post it um, wherever this class is going. My friends, we read it upstairs in the synagogue today. May it be a good omen for us and everyone else in Am Yisrael. I wanted to just take a look for one second at Parashat Haman and how this parasha is connected with the idea of Parnassah, okay? Um, because for me, I think that this connection, it goes much deeper uh, than just reading about the fact that God once upon a time sustained, on this, uh, sustained us in this way. And I think that what we're being taught over here is actually uh, instructive for the process of Parnassah always. What do we know about the man? So I want to read you two different pesukim. One pasuk says, what is the man? What was it? So if you're looking for it, you'll find it in chapter uh, uh, 16. Chapter 16, verse 4. Okay, that's where it starts. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu, when he rains it down, if you look in Pasuk number 14, It describes this like very thin, exposed thing on top of the dew that fell 
in the desert. And the Torah actually tells us that what was this thing this, that, that fell? It describes it as having the taste of katsapichit bidvash. Okay? Um, it had the taste, that, 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 the, uh, the, the verse is verse 32, and it says over there, And it was, <clears throat> it, it was white, it, sorry, it was like coriander seed, it was white, and it tasted like a cake fried in honey. And that sounds a lot to me like the Syrian pastries, you know? Uh, the, the, it's a cake, but it was fried in honey. Think of maybe as an example the taste of a baklava, you know, of maybe something a little bit similar, maybe without the cheese, to a knafe, right? Uh, the fila. It's, that, that's the thing that many of us, you know, grew up with on those Shabbats, you know, when you had a, a, a deuce in the synagogue. Ashkenazim had herring and whiskey, and we had, you know, knafe and baklava, and, you know, with arak. Okay, now, I just want to share that our Chachamim tell us that actually the man had many different flavors. And what flavor did the man have? It had whatever thought, whatever you wanted it to taste like, it tasted like. So you could be thinking, pastrami sandwich, boom. Wild, right? Now, I'm not talking about some sort of psychological thing. Now, I don't know if any of you has ever tasted the phenomenon known as jelly belly. I think it's called jelly belly, right? Jelly bellies, right? They're a type of jelly bean that they come in all different colors. Sometimes you get a, a big box and it has all different colors divided. And if you open the box, you'll see on the back of the box, there's like a legend. It tells you these red ones, those are the taste, these are cinnamon. These yellow ones, this is peach. The green one is kiwi. The other one, reddish with the flecks, watermelon, okay? You taste it and you're like, oh my gosh, watermelon. Eat it. Coconut, oh my gosh. And you think this is so amazing. You know what's interesting? Close your eyes and taste the flavors. I'm not saying that you can't taste any of them because some of them are very strong and you can taste. But the majority, or at least a huge number of them, when you taste them without looking at the box, and, here's the key, without seeing the color, what taste does it have? It just tastes like a sweet jelly bean. And then all of a sudden, this thing which blew your mind a minute ago, how do they make it taste like... Uh, actually, it doesn't taste like that. That's called the power of suggestion. Now, I thought that was very interesting. Because the Torah goes out of its way to tell you uh, about the man, like you just said in Pasuk Lamed Bet, this thing that the Bnei Israel called the man, what was it? It was Vehu uh, Kizera Gad Lavan, it was white. Hashem ensured that the base color of this thing was white so that the taste that you were tasting could not be mistaken. You should not think that it was something that was brought on in your mind or in your, uh, in your senses by its color. You know, you taste a, a, a candy and it looks like, you know, you know, golden, it's like that golden brown color. You taste it, you think, oh, butterscotch. And then what happens? Your brain kicks in and it makes you think that you're tasting something. 
So the Torah tells you, no, it's white. There's no power of suggestion here. Not only that, what else? It's not something which has a common flavor which would be associative with many different things. Those jelly bellies, in many ways it works because it's this sweet taste and you associate it with all these different sweet tastes. Here, we picked something hyper-specific. What is it? Right? It's like a like a cake fried in honey. Did you ever mix up a cake fried in honey with a steak? With chicken, marsala? You ever mixed up a cake fried in honey with a delicious slice of pizza? If it is, you need to go to a different pizzeria. You ever meet someone who is a fan of sweet pizza sauce? And you look at the guy, the guy's like, delicious pizza, you taste it, you're like, what is this? You ever had that, right? Al-tam varech, they say, on taste and on smell, you can't fight. Different people, different strokes of different folks. Rabbutai, therefore HaKadosh Baruch Hu illustrated that this thing over here, it was dependent on what you wanted. Now, I want to ask a simple question. Because to me, uh, this always bothered me this. Why in the world did God create the man that way? When we went to school, I remember in Lakewood Cheder, uh, the food, Hashem should bless them with a thousand blessings. <laughs> Let's just say it wasn't Michelin starred. Okay? Thursdays, for all the Cheder boys out there, Thursdays was salami. I spent most of, I'm a Syrian boy, I had not yet been exposed to hard salami. I spent most of my time with my fork picking out all the white dots of the salami. And let me tell you, there were many white dots and the irony is after my plate was filled with small white dots, I remember once looking at it thinking, wow, it looks like the man. <laughs> it would look like a white seed, this white thing. And let me tell you, it was not, does not frosting. It's all, okay, that was Thursday. Monday, tuna fish. With uh, two slices, add sliced uh, pickle in it, okay? That was my favorite lunch, by the way. Of all the whole week, Monday was my favorite lunch in the, in the cheder, okay? But listen to this, okay? Why does God not make a nice and varied menu? <coughs> Jelly belly box, but for real. One pastrami sandwich, one chicken, one burekas with the mushroom sauce, one. Why didn't God offer a plethora of options? And everyone would get what they want. Even better. Why didn't God, knowing what you want, just give you, the man, exactly as you wanted it? And the answer is, there was a default flavor for the man. The default was If you tasted, if you thought of nothing, you tasted this. If you thought of something, it wasn't that. So my friends, I thought there's a beautiful lesson here in the world of Parnassah. And that is, it is true that if a person just does whatever, ultimately there is a flavor. But it's not going to be something that you've chosen. It's not going to be something that you want. Even if Bore Olam were to give you exactly the thing that you wanted, 
it would not taste the same as if you thought about it and made a decision. One of the challenges that happens with families that try to set their children up in business is that they'll choose a job for their child. And the irony is, the choice that they make when they bring the kid into the business is wrong even when it's right. Why? Because even if this is what the kid would be great at, even if this is what the kid really wants to do, because they did not choose that flavor. They don't, it's chaser tam. It's lacking in the, uh, in the flavor that would be there if I made this choice by myself. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, when I'm teaching you about Parnassah, go find something that is exactly to your taste. Because when a person does that, then they enjoy their work. Now, I don't know if the dictum of, you know, find something you love or do something you love and you'll never work a day in your life is true. I love what I do. Does it mean that I ever feel like I'm not working? I always, I'm working very, very, very hard. It doesn't feel like I'm not working. I'm not going to lie. I think that they tell you that, that's a myth. But at the same time, my friends, it is incomparable. I enjoy working hard. That's, I think, what people don't understand. I get home and I'm finished. It's taken everything out of me. You know what it feels like when you've given everything and you hate your job? It's a disaster. When you've given everything and you love your job, I feel amazing. And the weaker I am, and the more I feel I've given, the better I feel about myself. Because it was invested in something that I really, truly believe in. My friends, the second lesson perhaps of the man, along with choosing something that you truly love, that you truly desire, <clears throat> we learn a second lesson. Let's say I love pastrami sandwiches. I, for many, many years, I had a very underdeveloped palate, let's say. I could eat everything. I loved ketchup. I still love ketchup. Ketchup is my first true love. If I could get a t-shirt that says Ketchup Bay, I would wear that. Okay? Literally before anyone else, there was ketchup, right? Now, um, what's amazing is ketchup has a fantastic power to become the great equalizer. <laughs> because if you love the taste of ketchup, you could, you could practically eat anything. Because you just slather it and this is, oh, this is fantastic. What's the recipe? What recipe? Recipe, yeah, okay. Now the point is, so for years my favorite food was uh, uh, grilled chicken, a grilled chicken sandwich, grilled schnitzel sandwich, easy. I liked it more than steak, liked it more than anything else. Very simple to please, okay? So it's the same thing all the time. If someone would prepare for me for the next year, every day, fresh chicken sandwich, I'd be happiest man on earth. You know, at least that's what I think. But actually, what we're learning from the man is the importance of reiterating to yourself the same way in the desert. They had to choose that flavor every day. If a person truly wants to find meaning and purpose in what they do, and this is true for Parnassah and it's true for life, 
They need to wake up each morning and choose their life. I, I, I cannot explain to you the profundity of this advice. To stand up in the morning and not to be given your life and have to deal with it, but to choose it. To say that if I had a bunch of different lives, optional, lying on the table, Avi's life, Gabby's life, Shai's life, you know which life I'm choosing? I'm choosing Shlomo's life. I'm choosing my life with this difficulty, with this issue, with this pressure, with this challenge, with this health problem, with this, I'm choosing my bag. Because I love what's in my bag. You know, I think there's a beautiful line in the Torah that I think is relevant to this, to this concept. And it's taught to us in a very strange way. The Torah tells us about a Jewish slave who sits and works for seven years in his master's house. And he's married off to one of the other uh, slave, uh, the, uh, the Jewish maidservants, someone who's had to sell themselves into slavery to work in order to pay off debt or in order to, uh, you know, uh, do restitution for something that they've stolen. So effectively, it's not slavery. What it is, is you take a long-term employment by someone and you have the money up front to pay off what you owe or to be able to send back to your, to, your, to, your, to your family. So people would willingly take these jobs in order to survive. They would have obligations to treat them in a nice way. And what would the Eved say? After the year is up, or he's about to go free at the seventh year, and the master would come and say, all right, see you around. And the guy would say, you know what, I want to stay. I want to carry on. I love this job. Ahavti et ishti. I love my wife. My slave wife. Ahavti. I love my children, my slave children. Okay? They're also now working. Everyone, the family is now like a family that's sitting in service to this person. I love my master. I just want to read it to you because it's like literally a couple in the beginning of Parashat Mishpatim. I, I always found this pas, these Pesukim to be so, so powerful. All right? And if the servant should say, I love my master. My wife. My children. I don't want to go. This is where I want to be. I thought, wow. What if I could say that? I love my master. And the way he treats me. And the way he takes care of me. I love my wife with any challenges that I have in my relationship. I love my children with all the machloket and with all the agmat nefesh. Children, they give us the most pleasure in the world. But as Rav Noach used to say all the time, the things that give you the most pleasure are the things that give you the most pain. I love my wife. I love my children. Imagine waking up in the morning with this statement. I choose my life. I choose my job, I choose my wife, I choose my kids. I choose this difficult friend, because however difficult it is, there's so much beauty in it. We learn from the man and the obligation to choose the flavor every day, that you get to choose what the flavor is. Can I ask you, what happens? The man tastes like whatever you want. What happens if a guy wakes up and says, today I want to have a poop sandwich? Hada, 
Tfadal. You ordered it, you got it. And what's he eating? He's eating the work. Who does he have to blame? The blame is your choice. You chose something you didn't like, now you're eating it. So what do you do tomorrow? Reminds me of a joke. And again, I, the Musar here, again, I'm hiding behind jokes and son, funny things. But what I'm saying is not funny at all. You know, they tell a joke about this guy who goes, he's working on a construction site. And you know that picture of all the guys working on the Empire State Building, eating their lunch on the beam, suspended in the air, one of my favorite photographs of all time. They're all sitting there, you know, with their lunch boxes. First guy takes out his, uh, you know, his, uh, his tuna sandwich, he's eating it, happy as Larry. Second guy sitting next to him, right, to opens up his lunchbox, he goes, oh, peanut butter and jelly, again. Anyway, had that's like, all right, he eats his, uh, you know, who doesn't want to get into that? The next day, Hada, again, he eats his sandwich, the next guy opens up his lunchbox, peanut butter and jelly! Third day, fourth day, after a week of hearing this guy moan about his peanut butter and jelly, he says, Dib, you don't like peanut butter and jelly, ask your wife to make you something else. He goes, oh, I'm not married. I make the sandwich myself. <laughs> You make the sandwich yourself. You choose what, what your day is going to taste like. You make your bed, your life. 100%. One of the most important lessons of the man, whatever you chose, that's the flavor. If you choose a flavor you don't like, what happens? You have a flavor you don't like. So choose something that you like. Or choose to like something that maybe you haven't liked before. And when a person gets to that place, then they walk into their day a different man, a different woman. That's lesson number one. I would like to continue with lesson number two. We don't, we don't have much time, so I'm gonna abbreviate lesson number two. Lesson number two is that the Torah tells us that the man did not fall at people's doorsteps unless they were sadiq. The man would come to the doorstep of a Sadiq. A person who was not a Sadiq, the man would come to his mailbox down the drive. A guy who was less and less of a Sadiq, it would go four doors down. A guy who was a Rasha, next town over. A guy who's really bad, it was Manhattan, Kentucky, not Manhattan, New York. Okay. They had to go deep into the forest deep into the desert in order to go get their man. My friends, never mind about Sidkut and how HaKadosh Baruch Hu takes care of those uh, that, that do the right thing. Right? I was young and, I, and now I have grown old. Right? And I did not see a Sadiq that's been left alone. And people think, wow, what are you talking about? I know lots of rich, a lot of, lots of very religious people, you know, who don't drive a Mercedes and a Bentley. And the answer is, David Amelech did not say, Velora'iti, Sadiq, Noheg Ford. Mivakesh Prada. doesn't say that. It says, I didn't see a Sadiq that was left and his children are asking for bread. For a Sadiq and for his family, that's the, the flavor they chose. 
they chose a world of spirituality. They don't need a world of physicality. God takes care. In the strangest of ways, God takes care. But my friends, forget Sadiq Rasha. One of the lessons I think that we learn is that Parnassah sometimes is very close and sometimes Parnassah is very far. The Parnassah, the livelihood, is in its entirety wherever it is. Again, I, I need to make this clear. The Tzaddik and the Rasha both have what they need prepared for them. So sometimes it's easy to get and sometimes it's harder to get to. But everything you need is somewhere. It's a matter of going on a journey, on finding that thing. And sometimes we don't understand why God placed it here or placed it there. But the end of the parashat Aman says that God commanded Moshe and Aaron, He says, take, gather some of this man, put it in a tzintzenet, in a, in a jar, save it for the Jews for all time, to remind them of this fact. That when they were in the desert, God figured out how to sustain them. You have a lot of people who say, my business killed. There's no way I can make money in this industry, in this time, in the pandemic, in uh, Mabarif. People leaving, moving to Miami, people going to Texas. People don't like this, they don't like that. I can't. If Hashem could figure out how to sustain people in the desert, look at this. Look at this jar of manna. If God wants, He could bring your food to you, room service in the Sahara. God could figure out how to get you Parnassai. He could figure out how to make you money on masks after Corona's over. He could figure out how to make you real estate when everyone moved out. And you know what? A lot of these people realized, what am I going to do? I'm going to buy real estate, but I'll change the purpose. So all of a sudden, people had these massive open spaces, and they were like, what am I going to do with this? Can't build apartment buildings. And they turned it into warehousing. Because all of a sudden, no one was going to stores. So now people were ordering delivery in. So now the people needed more warehouse space. So this thing, they, sh it just, they just shifted it to somewhere else. And Borei Olam provided them with another response, with the same parnasah, from the same place. And they didn't need to, it wasn't moved any, not even one address. It was exactly in the same spot. They got what they needed. If a person looks at life that way, they approach with emunah, surely Hashem will send them the parnasah that they need. May Hashem bless each and every one of us with everything that we need, with the, uh, the ability to find a good taste in what we do. May Hashem bless us to wake up each morning uh, with the will to be able to walk into it with joy, with courage, with fortitude. And Be'ezat Hashem, our day, our burden, our load will be light. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen ve'amen.